morning, happy Wednesday of Holy Week. Um, if I don't know you or you don't know me, my name is Brooke. Um, I have the pleasure of being a part of the Holy Yoga Collective and um, we're walking through Holy Week in conjunction, I get to do the lives in conjunction with our prayer journals. So if you have that, um, amazing. I hope you're following along. If you don't have that yet, you can just pop up into the um, bio, like in our bio, we'll have it there for you. So please make sure and join us. Today is uh, Wednesday of Holy Week and our scripture uh, for study was Matthew 26 verses 1 through 16. Um, and we're just going to do some straight Bible study today. Um, I love the Word of God. If you, if, if you don't know me, uh, I think that's one of my very favorite things to do is to study. Um, I love the origin of words. They matter. And yesterday we were talking about the words Jesus used. We were talking about how important they were because he doesn't waste his words. But when he comes to us, he asks us questions that expose the motivation of our own hearts and what we truly believe, what we have faith in. And so the challenge yesterday, I invited you to not just call out to the Lord, save me, Lord, come and save me, Lord, but then wait when he does. And the way Jesus comes is in asking questions. He wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to expose our hearts so that he can love us in them and conform our hearts to more of his likeness. And today we see in the story that there is a plot against Jesus. And we're going to pick up just straight in Matthew 26, verse 1 through, um, I believe we're 1 through 6, 1 through 13. Okay, so listen, when Jesus had finished saying all of these things, he said to his disciples, verse two, as you know, the Passover is just two days away and the son of man will be handed over to be crucified. This is where we have to understand the importance of Jesus's words. Remember, he doesn't use them unnecessarily, but he is forecasting. Now, this is prior to Gethsemane. This is prior to the confirmation when he's crying out to the Lord and he's saying, your will be done, not mine. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But this is before that. So God is using the words that this is going to happen. I want to remind you that he's saying, as you know, the Passover is two days away. And then he continues because I'm not sure the disciples knew the second part of this, as you know, statement. He says, as you know, the Passover is two days away. They would know that because that's a big deal. Okay. Passover is a big deal. There's that, that is, that is something that they would know. And then he goes on to say, and the son of man will be handed over to be crucified. I don't think they knew that. Because Jesus knows that, but Jesus doesn't say that until here. And remember, the words matter. Passover, I'll give you a little history lesson really quick, high level. Passover is the time when the Israelites are being led out of Egypt and there's all of the plagues. And they said, and God said to the Israelite people, you will slay a lamb and you will mark its blood on the doorposts of your home so that when the angel of death comes, because it's coming... Amen. When it comes, because it's coming, if the Lord, if the angel of death sees the blood on your doorpost, it will pass over you. So the Passover lamb is the thing, the blood of the lamb is the thing that went over the doorpost for the Israelites that the angel of death would pass over their homes and look for opportunities 
elsewhere. I want to say to you that death is coming for you. It's not the way it should be. It's not the way it was supposed to be, but that's the way it is. And in Christ, when death comes, it goes over. It passes over. Okay, so as you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Verse 3, Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas. Caiaphas. Um, and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and killed him, and kill him, pardon me. But not during the festival, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. See, the people loved Jesus. The leaders didn't because Jesus challenged the fallacy of the leaders, of the religious leaders, right? I love this too because Jesus is saying it at the home of uh, where he is, right? He is saying what's going to happen, but but not in response to what the religious leaders are saying. That's what I mean. Uh, the religious leaders didn't say it, and then Jesus got scared. Jesus said what was going to happen, and at the very same time, somewhere else, the scheming is taking place. Do you understand that Jesus didn't catch wind from the religious leaders? He caught wind from God the Father. Okay, so listen, um, verse six, while Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which he poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. Okay, so I was like, in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark both, this is Mary. This is Lazarus's sister. This woman is Lazarus's sister. Reason why in this particular Gospel they use woman and not Mary because in the other Gospels it is Mary. The reason they do that is because this woman, her offering is, is universal. It's not just about Mary and their relationship, and that's why she's doing it for Jesus. She's doing it in relation. This is a woman in Christ who is doing this to her Lord. Okay, uh, so it, it doesn't just specialize Mary. It says this woman. He uh, In this particular scripture, both Mark and Matthew, uh, Mary anoints the head of Jesus. And so I was interested because in the Gospel of John, she anoints his feet and washes with her hair. But I was curious about the anointing of the head and the anointing of the feet. Now we're going to talk about the anointing of the feet tomorrow because it's Monday, Thursday. But we're going to talk about the anointing of the head for just a moment. Let me give you the definition in the Greek of the head. The head, both of men and often of animals, since it's the loss of the head that destroys life. This word is used in phrases relating to capital and extreme punishment. Uh, it's also of Christ, the Lord of the husband of the church, and it's also of things or the cornerstone. What's the point? The point is that Mary took her most valued position, possession and anointed the head of her Savior, the head of God, the head of Christ, because she heard what he just said. The disciples didn't get what he just said. He just said that he was going to be crucified. Her response to the knowledge that he was going to be crucified is that she started to give of her most prized possessions in preparation for his death. Her response was because she believed him. 
Amen. Her response was to prepare the head because the head was about to be destroyed. Her savior, her Lord, her master, her friend. So she's preparing his head with this very expensive perfume. All right, let's continue. Uh, verse um, eight. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Indignant means very displeased. Why this waste, they asked. See, they didn't realize. They didn't hear what he said, that he was going to crucifixion. She heard it. And she said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna anoint him with the thing that I have the most of. This perfume could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Verse 11, the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did to prepare me for burial. I, I think it's so important because God is realizing, I think, have you ever like spoken something that you know that the Lord is asking you to do and you're almost hopeful that it's not? Do you know what I'm saying to you? Like, like Jesus is saying, I'm going to be crucified. And I wonder if she was, he was like waiting for someone to go, no, no, you're not. I don't believe it. Right. But no one's saying it. He's, he's saying it and he's confirming it. And now she's doing an act as in preparation of his head and his feet for burial. And he says it again. She is preparing me for burial. Verse 13, truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, she has done uh, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Okay. So Jesus, first day, Jesus, save me. Come and save me. Jesus comes in response to the call to save you. He comes towards you. And when he comes towards you, he's asking questions, right? He wants intimate relationship. He wants you to spend a little time considering and then being in relationship with him, having words and dialogue. And then what's the next part of saving? When we have that dialogue with Jesus, it's, it's one of two things. Either God's going to do it or you're going to do it. So you have this dialogue, but part of the saving process is that if you could do it on your own, you would be able to. But God comes onto the scene and he does the saving. So what after the conversation, the words, the questions, what happens in the saving process? Something must die. Amen. So the saving process after Jesus comes to you, after there's a conversation, after there's an, an exposure of your motives, after there's a regeneration of your spirit, something must die. But because we are in Christ, what he says is, I will go the distance because even if you wanted to, and even if you could, you do not have the strength to put to death your addictions and your humanity without the saving power of Christ. Okay, so we have this dialogue and then something has to die. So Jesus goes, hey, listen, I'm going to be the proxy for that. Whatever you, um, Brooke, today need, I'm going to go ahead and die for it so that it doesn't cost you your life. See, the saving process means that there's a savior and you are not your own savior. I don't care how strong and amazing you are. If you could do it, you would have done it by now. God is the savior. God is the one that by proxy will put to death the very thing he's talking to you about. Okay. So 
in the saving process. Jesus, help! Jesus comes. We wait, we interact, we hear, we reflect, and then what does it cost us? Our, our prized possession. We're going to anoint Jesus. We're going to give him our faith. We're going to give him our trust. We're going to give him our honor. We're going to anoint him because he is going to do the thing that we cannot do for ourselves. Now, Jesus is a man. He is also fully God. And so being fully God, but also being in a man's experience, he experienced all of the things that you and I will experience. So when things need to be put to death, it's not as though Jesus didn't do it himself first. Okay. Now, tomorrow. Tomorrow is my favorite teaching because it's the anointing of the feet, the washing of the feet, the garden. And so we're going to have a little more Bible study tomorrow, but this one's nice and short. I need you to know that you're not your own savior. Amen. If, if nothing else today, I need you to know that you're not this, your own savior, that something has to die by proxy so that you don't die. Amen. That there are only parts of you that in confirmation and in the conforming process to Christ that must be put to death. But God is so good to you that he will go and he will do the crucifixion. He will do the sacrifice so that you don't have to. What is required of you? To love God, to act justly, to walk humbly. That's the requirement. God does all the rest. Amen. So today, on this Wednesday, I want you to surrender all the things you're doing for salvation. I want you to I want you to take the most prized possession that you have, which is your belief and your faith. And I want you to imagine yourself anointing the head of Christ and the feet of Christ with your faith, with your belief. Bathe him in it as, he, as you prepare him to do the work that you cannot do for yourself. Amen. Tomorrow's a whole different day. We're going to talk a lot more about scripture and a lot more Bible study, but I wonder if that's enough today. Amen. All right. Have a wonderful day. Happy Wednesday, and we'll see you tomorrow.